Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 125. Our Sunday worship service for July 21st, 2019 is Self. It is the third in our series, Branching In. You are more than your possessions, accomplishments, or outer conditions. So our scripture today, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Now just think about that all by itself. You are the light of the world in so many ways, in so many different phrases. The the message that we're getting is, do you know how amazing you are? Not going to be, not used to be. But do you know how amazing you are right now? There is something happening inside of you that the world is hungry for over and over again. That's the message over and over again. Jesus shows up and says, guys, don't you know? What are you waiting for? And there is sort of an imperative there. A lot of times Jesus says something about, okay, now go and do a thing. And the next line of that piece of scripture is, if you are this light, go do something about it. Go show somebody. Go light something up for somebody. Go do a thing. We'll get there. But right now, just think about that simple idea. Once again, the message is, if you knew how awesome you are right now, there'd be no stopping you. Whatever it is that you're chewing on can be solved, can be fixed, can be handled if you just know that simple thing about who you are. Now I recognize that that changes a lot of things because there's a lot of places you can go to church where the mission seems to be to make you feel as bad as you can. If I can just make you miserable, then somehow presto changeo, life works out. I don't get that disconnect. But I'm not here to to evaluate that. It never made any sense to me. It's not going to make sense. You practice happiness by being happy. You practice success by finding something in you that's working and giving something to it, right? That's how it works. Everything is practice. And you know what practice makes. So start there, right? A little bit of review. Once again, I'll go quick. If God is already good, if you are already the light of the world, then let's get done with the idea that we got to strive for something outside of ourselves. It doesn't make sense. It ain't going to work. Because if I'm striving for something, what I'm saying is it's not here. And if that's my paradigm, I'm never going to be satisfied. Okay? End of review. But I can rephrase that. Because if you love somebody, doesn't matter what kind of love, romantic, parental, collegial, whatever kind, There's a whole Hallmark store filled with different kinds of love. If you love somebody in any of those kind of ways, you have absolutely 100% assuredly had this feeling in your heart at one time or another. Why are you doing that dumb thing? You felt that about somebody. You've thought to yourself, you're so good. Why? What was that? What was that? I love you so much. Why are you doing this crazy thing? Now think about that. It is a universal feeling. The fact that you feel that, you're so good, why are you doing this thing that ain't so good, is really beautiful because your frustration doesn't come from you're no good. Your frustration doesn't come from there's nothing good about you. I don't care about you. The frustration is I know that you are already awesome. You've got what it takes, kiddo. How come you're not doing the thing? How come you got to beat your head up against the wall? How come? Think about how beautiful that is. 
And think about the fact that if you love somebody, you feel like you're so good, how come, the outer thing. What do you think God, as the author of love, sees when he sees you? Now, I'm not here to make you feel bad. Oh, you've let God down. God doesn't work that way. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is any problem can be solved not by trying to be something different, but by trying to show the world who you are. You want to make God happy? Well, God loves you already, but you want to connect with that? Remember who you are. That's the thing. That's the question. The question that we were born asking, who am I? And there's a lot of places to go for answers to that question, but the sooner you get in touch with your answer to the who am I question, the better the whole thing works. And you know that just as much as you felt that way about somebody else, what do you do when you knucklehead? I love you. That sort of teeter-totter moment. There's somebody who feels that way about you. Sorry, not sorry. There is somebody who's going, why are they doing that? Why are they going to that weird church? Why are they wearing that thing? Yeah, I snuck that one in there. (laughs) You might feel like you're alone. I know that. I get it. Everybody's felt that. But the truth is, you have a fan club of which you are not aware, perhaps. There is somebody who is secretly cheering you on, maybe not so secretly cheering you on. There is somebody who, just as frustrated you are at somebody who you love is doing something silly, someone loves you so much and wants to see you shine. Somebody is cheering you on. There are people in this room, we can start there, but somebody is cheering you on. And you know that frustration, so from the inside, from the outside, and every which way. But the truth is, the real frustration is always something that we feel. Anytime you are frustrated about something, what you're really feeling is this wonderful phrase. You ready? This isn't me. When you end up at a job that feels like a dead-end job, when you end up in a relationship that feels like a dead-end relationship, when you end up in some kind of an activity, practice, situation, thing that feels wrong, the feeling that you have is, this isn't who I am. Well, that's good to know. I'm not telling you to stay in a frustrating situation, but what I am telling you is even a frustrating situation can be amazing because it can tell you who you're not. That's good to know, man. Thank God for those moments when you finally go, who the heck is this person? It ain't me. Thank God for those moments of connection. Thank God for those moments of revelation when you finally get out of the way just a little bit because who you are determines the life that you live. You want to be happy? Figure out who you are. You want it to work? Figure out who you are. You want to fall in love? Well, you can't be a partner to anybody else until you got good sense of who you are. Figure out who you are and the rest of the thing, whatever the thing is for you, will begin to work out because you've got this unlimited source of phenomenal cosmic power. God's right there. And you've got this life where you want things to happen over there. What's in the middle? You got A, you got C. Who are you going to be? As corny as that is, it's a good way to remember it. <laughs> But think about it. That's the deal. You are the channel through which all of it happens. See how I quickly retreat from the corny dad joke. (laughs) You are the channel of this. You are the avenue. The closer you get at an understanding of who you are, the better your life works. That's what's at stake. 
That's the deal. And so there's this wonderful trinity of identity. You ready? The trinity of identity is who you think you are. In other words, what, what you get from things on the outside, people's opinions about you, stuff like that, where you've been, who you think you are, who you know you are, what you feel on the inside when you're still enough and quiet enough and honest enough, and who you really are. In other words, what God sees when God sees you. Who you think you are, who you know you are, who you really are. And if you want to be happy, those three things need to be as close together as you can get them. That's what's at stake. If you do that, I promise everything else is going to work out. There's the question for today. We're going to keep coming back to it. Who are you? Who are you? Now, there's a lot of places to get that information. When you think about the way that we live our lives, there is a very complicated and overlapping Venn diagram of places that you can get your identity. Who are you? Well, I am. I vote this way. I'm a liberal, a conservative, a a Democrat, or whatever. I am this person who's been to these places. I'm from the Midwest. I'm a Midwesterner. I'm this. I'm all kinds of things. I'm really into the music of Boston. Whatever it is. That's not the kind of thing you admit in front of other people. (laughs) But it's more than a feeling. Anyway, I'm going to be working the Jungle Cruise. But when you think about your life, there's never any one thing. There is an overlapping set of complementary and conflicting places that we get our identity from. The things we do, the place we've been, our upbringing. Some people define themselves by whether or not they're into the Buffalo Bills. But we won't judge those people. (laughs) I always have one for you. But think about the archaeology necessary to really root out, wow, there are so many different things that contribute to my sense of of self. And the reason that there are so many is because we are born hungry for it. You and me and everybody else, we are born going, who am I in the face of all of this? Who am I in the face of everything that's going on outside of me? And even more in the face of this amazing thing that's happening inside of me, this love in my heart that cannot even be defined. Who am I in the middle of all of this? It's the question that we're born with. Like I said, if you can answer that question, you can answer your life. And so we're so hungry for it that we naturally draw to ourselves lots of places to go. It's a great thing to market to. People market to identity. When you think about it, commercials aren't even really selling you the product. They're selling you an identity. They're not selling you the SUV. They're selling you the idea that if you buy the SUV, you're going to be the kind of guy that goes to the beach with his family. Well, I want to be that guy, right? If you're the kind of person that takes this medication, I don't care about the medication. I just want to look that happy. I want to sit in the bathtub in the wilderness for some reason. Whatever it is, you know the commercial. Ask your doctor if happiness is right for you. You know what I mean. I don't care if I have the insurance. I just want to be as, I want to look as cool as that guy who's got insurance in the commercial. Right? The commercial sells an identity as much as it sells a product. We're looking, we're hungry for a connection with some kind of an idea of who we are. And for most people, it has to do with putting on some kind of a label. It's easy to do. It's kind of a cheap shot. Remember when you were younger and you're in high school and it's so easy to pick up these labels? All of us listen to. And I'm not even going to try to name a band because I'm going to date myself so horribly. We're this. And we put on the label. 
and we put on the label and we put on the label and there are so many labels and once again it's so easy to pick up a new label and one of the problems with going for a sense of self by putting a label outside of ourselves is just that it's outside of ourselves what the world is asking about is who are you on the inside the problem with the label and the reason that people keep finding more of them is it is external when what we want is something internal and the thing about a label is so often people choose it because they want to quit talking about it it's scary to really think about who you might really be it's scary to look upon the uncharted waters of the truth of your awesomeness and so it's so much easier to find something that will end the conversation and the exploration who am I? well I am this person who likes Chinese food or whatever silly label people put on themselves so we don't have to talk about it labels are external and stationary when what life wants from you is internal and evolutionary which is a really long way around of saying you are so awesome quit settling you are too awesome to settle if you want a life that makes sense find a definition of yourself that does not hold still because quite simply God does not hold still get on that team find something that doesn't hold still Find something that doesn't come from the outside. When we think about the miracles of Jesus Christ, I mean, we think about miracles a lot, kind of a miracle guy. That's kind of the thing that comes up. But we talked about this in Bible group the other night. It's as though the miracles aren't really the important part. I mean, it's good. We want healing. I want each and every person to have a life that is functional. I believe in that idea. I have seen it happen. I have seen, for example, the doctors be wrong about a fatal diagnosis, and I will see it again. But you know what? Life happens naturally. That's not even really the point, is it? When Jesus healed the leper, he went and touched the leper and healed him, and that's a beautiful story. But think about the fact that people get healed all the time. That's not really the magic part of the story. The magic part is hard for us to understand in this day and age. Back then... Being a leper meant you couldn't have a job. You couldn't have a family. You couldn't have friends. Being a leper meant when you went into a town, you had to shout your condition to everyone so people would know, don't look at me even. Don't touch me. Don't think about me. I am a problem. I can't go to church. I can't have a relationship with God. I can't have anything. This condition defines me. So think about the audacity of Jesus going, I don't care about any of that. Let's get you fixed. That's the miracle. The miracle of outrageous mercy more than the healing of a skin condition. The miracle of saying, I don't care what people think about what this is on the outside. When Jesus healed the woman who had been hemorrhaging for decades. Remember, blood's kind of a big deal. It makes you ritually impure. And we can go to a religious studies class and learn about all of the different rituals of cleansing if you touch anything that's got blood on it and all of the rules that are in the Bible about that. And the idea is if you are bleeding, you can't go to church, you can't have friends, you can't be part of a family, you are impure forever. Nobody touch. And here's Jesus. The miracle of healing that has less to do with the healing and more to do with the courage. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, you don't touch dead people. Over and over again, we begin to realize that the miracle is not the wholeness because wholeness is natural. The miracle is the courage. The courage to say, I love you so much, I don't care what you think of me. 
Think about that. Not that I don't care about you, but I love you so much that I'm not going to get hung up on your opinion of me. I got too much to offer. Think about that. Because if you're working on a healing of your body, of your pocketbook, of your heart, you want to find a life that works. Maybe it's not about praying for the healing because the healing's natural. Maybe the way to get out of the way of that process is not to pray for the healing. Maybe it's to pray for courage. What if you work on that? Instead of fixing the thing, because that's not real to God, may I pray for boldness. May I pray to not care what people think of me. May I pray to not be defined by my problem. May I pray to find a different version of me. And so we come back to the question, who am I? Because you and I each get to that point where we're so hungry for a better definition of ourselves that we don't care what other people think, and that is a magical day. When it's not, who who do I think I am? But it comes from a deeper place. And however you get there, however you follow that journey is worth it, is valid. However you get to the place where you start to explore that, you start to think about who you might be. If you explore that by getting into some clubs and finding things by reading books, by getting on the internet and finding stuff, it doesn't matter how. Just be the person who's on a journey. Like I said, God doesn't stop, so you shouldn't settle. However you do it is worthwhile and valid. I'm not here to judge your path. Just keep going. Because sometimes people find a thing that feels okay and then they stop. They settle into it. For a lot of people, for example, they find identity through their job. It's nice to have honor in your work. Everybody knows that feeling of doing an honest day's work. And that's, well, I hope everybody has that feeling. It's a good thing. I like that. But that can't really tell you who you are. There's something else going on. And in a culture that identifies with their job, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a minister. I get identifying if you happen to love your job like I do. But the truth is, if all I am is a minister, I'm not going to be very good at it. If I am any good at this at all, it's because there's something bigger than me that I let through a little bit. And if I get better at this, it's that I let more of it through. It's not because I'm defined by being a minister. It's because I'm defined by the fact that I'm a child of God. And the truth is that that shines through everything. You want to be a good carpenter. It's not about the wood. It's about the idea that there's something in you that can come out through what you do. You want to be a good husband, wife, partner, father, son, whatever it is. You want to be good at your job. Here's the thing that sounds like a catch-22. You want to be good at your job. Don't identify with the job. Instead, be a child of God or a beautiful person or a creative soul, whatever you want to use to define yourself who happens to be doing this thing. If you want job security, don't get your identity from your job because what you do can't tell you who you are. Those are two different things. Let's stop being human resources like staplers and trucks. Be a human being who happens to be doing something. That sounds like a lot, so let me say that a different way. You can't be identified by your achievements, by your ability to make things, because your achievements, well, they're in the past. They happened already. And if you're striving for more and more things, I get it. There's a lot of pressure to have a prodigious to-do list. But achievements are in the past. They already happened. And your striving, which if you're not careful can turn into greed, and that's a whole different Sunday lesson. Your striving, well, that's in the future. You know as well as I do, you can't change the past. And the truth is, you can't change the future either. The only thing you can change is right now. And so if you're living by your accomplishments, it's keeping you from being in the one place where things can be different. That's important. But that's a lot. So I'll rephrase that. 
You can't be defined by the things that you make, by the things that you own. You know that, right? In our culture, we're taught that a successful person is someone who's got a lot of stuff, but you know people who have a lot of stuff that you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley or one that's well lit. You know what I mean? So let me say this. Each and every person in this room, each and every person watching on the internet, each and every person is hearing these words, has experienced some kind of horrifying, earth-shattering, heartbreaking loss. Now, we're not going to dwell on it. I'm not here to do that. But I want you to know that everyone you know has experienced loss in some way or another. You lost the job. The person doesn't love you back. Somebody is out of your life that used to be in your life. The thing didn't work out. And I'm not trying to belittle any of those things. But there are just so many. Everyone you know has experienced loss. Now think about that. Because whatever it was is gone and you're still here. That means it can't define you. And something amazing happens when you stop being defined by your loss. The fact that it can go away and you're still here means that the things that you own and the things that you do can't tell you who you are. I'm going to say that as clearly as I can. If it can go away, it can't tell you who you are. So we've got to look in a different place for our own identity. But that's a lot, so I'll say that differently. Because there's so much pressure placed on manifestation, people read those law of attraction books and they think that the whole end-all, be-all of spirituality is to make stuff. I manifested a car, I manifested a thing, look what I can do. And you end up looking like a little kid. Look, Mom, I can pop a wheelie on my bike. That's great, but you're late for school. You know what I mean? Let's learn a thing instead of showing off. Manifestation is a byproduct. So imagine you go to a magic show and the magician pulls a rabbit out of a hat. And you go, wow, rabbits are magic. I can't wait to see what this rabbit's going to do next. And you stare at the rabbit. Meanwhile, Chris Angel's over here doing all kinds of cool magic tricks. Siegfried and Roy have popped in. The whole thing's happening over here. You're staring at the rabbit. Get what I'm saying? You made a thing. You should be proud of it. You did a thing. Be proud of it. Be happy. Rejoice in it and let it go. Don't fixate on the one thing that happened. Instead, be the kind of person who can be excited when the magician says, and now for my next trick. Sounds simple, but it changes everything. But that's a lot, so I'll say that a different way. Jesus did not say, you are the lamp of the world. You're the light of the world. In other words, you're not the thing You are the quality, the energy, the vitality. You are an event. You're a happening. You're not a thing. This is a big deal. There is no power in what has been created. The power is in the act of creation. Once something has been manifest, made, it's like a dead battery. There's no more nothing there. I like my fancy vocabulary. There's no more nothing there. Boy, I hope that gets (laughs) embroidered on something. (laughs) No more nothing. You know what I mean, though. Once a thing has been made, it's like a dead battery. Over. You can fixate it on if, fixate it on if, if you want, but there's no power in the thing once it's made. We're going to let that go and not be defined by things that, are, that have already happened because there is a permanent, eternal, magical you that is so much bigger than that. It's not about who you think you are. It's, it's not even really about who you know you are on the inside. There's a you that's even bigger than that. What I'm talking about is authenticity. You know that word, authenticity? How well you live up to what you say? 
Your identity is the sign you carry. Your authenticity is how well you live up to that. So step one, understand that you're carrying a sign right now. The world is seeing what you think is important. Did you know you're doing it? You are. So pick a sign that makes sense. Is the sign you carry hate and fear and lack and bleh? I don't know how you'd write that down. Is that the sign you carry? Pick a sign that is appropriate for what's in your heart. Pick a sign that you want the world to see. Do you feel like the world could use some more love? Pick a loving sign. That's all. Pick a sign that says the kind of person you want to be, even if you don't feel like you've gotten there yet. Remember, there's no stopping you. Pick a good sign. Does your job really say the kind of person you want to be? Your relationship, your situation? Pick a good sign. But then live up to that sign. So you got identity and authenticity is how well you live up to it, how well you do the thing. And if your identity and your authenticity are right there together, life works. It's just that simple. But then the question is, well, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I be authentic? I haven't been trained for it. In fact, we live in a culture where that's not important, right? We live in a culture where it's not what it is on the inside, but how shiny it is on the outside. So how do I defy all of that? Just like Jesus was doing with those miracles, how do I say it's not about what's on the outside, it's about what is on the inside? How do I do that? Well, I'm very glad you asked. You want to be an authentic person. Find authentic things to do. You want to be an authentic person, find authentic things to do. And by that I mean, find things that are inherently good. When you do them, it's not about the thing that's going to happen at the end, like a paycheck or a result or the approval of other people. Find a thing that is good all by itself. And in fact, some of the most authentic things that you do, the things you like to do, there are people who do not understand. And a lot of times, it's not that you get paid at the end. Sometimes you got to pay to do it. That's okay. That's the beginning of a dream coming true, right? That's okay. Find something that when you do it, you lose track of time. Inherent good, taking you out of space and time because God is more than space and time, right? So how do I get close to that? Find something you do that you just love because you just love, that nobody else understands and that's okay because it's not about approval. It's not about the end result. You want to be authentic, find authentic things to do, and trust your feelings along the way. Now, we talked a little bit about that a couple weeks ago, but I want to double down on it. Trust your feelings, because your heart knows. Better than I know as your preacher, better than anybody else knows, your heart knows what you need to be doing next. Listen to your feelings, because there's a part of you that's a little bit right. By that I mean that opinions of others come from other places, rewards come from outside of yourself, but your heart is unmediated by any of that. Your feelings are on the inside. Learn how to listen. When something works, be the kind of person that goes, well, that was pretty good. How do I do that more? It doesn't have to be complicated. And the real blessing is when you can be the kind of person that goes, wow, that really did not work. That was a spectacular mishap go, thank you, God. Because now I know what doesn't work. That's part of it. But think about it. When you have friction, what causes friction? Action, something's trying to move, and something else is trying to hold still. That is the definition of friction, right? Well, you know right now, because we talked about it, God moves. So if you have friction in your life, it ain't God. If I've got friction in my life, it's me trying to hold still. Well, that's good, because now I know. And I can come to a place when I acknowledge it where I can pick up my feet. 
stop trying to be who I used to be. Every friction, every frustration that I ever experience is the disconnect between my facts and the truth. That's important, so I'm going to say it again. Every friction, every frustration that I ever experience is me experiencing the disconnect between my facts and the truth. My facts. I thought that I was supposed to be no good. I thought that I was supposed to be alone. I thought that, well, fill in the blanks. (laughs) But as it turns out, God might have a better idea. What do you know? Kind of God's job. So what happens when you say, okay, it's not complicated. What happens if you just say, okay, I get it. That friction, that frustration told me something really important. It told me that that question that I was born asking, who am I? Is the same question that life has been asking me all along. Who are you? And it turns out that that voice asking the question has been God's all along. Oh, we have so much work to do in this world, but I'm grateful for every moment of it. So much love to show, so much healing to do. And I'm not sad about any of it because I know that the work can be done. It is why we are here, but it can only be done when we learn to listen to that voice. And say, look, God, look, life, look, people around me, look, family and friends, whoever. I don't know how any of this is going to work out, but I know right now who I am, and that's all I need. When you answer that call, you find the healing you've been praying for. Not because you pray for healing, but because you pray for courage. You find the prosperity. You find the success. You find the love. You find the freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.